Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to all of our friends around the world. This is Gingerly, Season 2, Episode 10. I'm Purple Sway 22 here with my co-host, Style Pigeon. Yo. Happy Sunday, my dude. How's it going? Oh, it's going great. I'm so excited. Every single Sunday that we do a show, I'm, I'm just stoked to like dive into it. I keep going further and further down this rabbit hole, so I'm having a blast. How are you yeah, today? I'm doing great, man. Today, the rabbit hole goes a little bit further. Uh, we're talking about understanding the risks of an NFT addiction. I feel like I'm kind of like an Alcoholics Anonymous or something like that, but for NFTs. So <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Hey, Paul's in the house. What's Sweet. up, Paul? Good morning, man. Um, so uh, well, since Paul's now here, you want to uh, run roundly? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I got to give a shout out to our sponsors, Roundly X. Uh, it's a simple to use app that allows you to round up your purchases into Bitcoin and other digital assets with your spare change. Um, it's not just a roundup tool too for dollar cost averaging. Uh, it, it has an awesome portfolio tracker. You can track all of those NFTs that we'll be talking about later today alongside your crypto and your stocks and your savings and all that jazz. Uh, you can sign up with code gingerly as you see here on the screen and get yourself four dollars a bitcoin try out that portfolio tracker it's pretty awesome um, i use it to track my nfts regardless of what chain they're on and if you're outside of the us you can go ahead and sign up and use that portfolio and you can see all your stuff in your own currency so it's really easy to use uh, for dollar cost averaging but also for portfolio tracking features uh, so with that without any more delay let's dive into the episode <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. All right. NFTs. Yeah. So at the end of last episode, we were talking all about Bitcoin. Episode nine was beginning with Bitcoin. Um, and <laughs> Paul said, no NFTs for me, which is funny you say that, Paul, because I think one day that you will be using NFTs, uh, <laughs> but you may not particularly know about it. Paul likes to talk about identity solutions a lot. And, you know, what if all of our driver's license and health records were just on the blockchain? Would that be super convenient? Well, maybe you'll be using NFTs to do that, Paul. <laughs> so um, I want to just tie in the two episodes. So last week, we kind of teased out this episode um, because of your particular journey, Pigeon, right? So you mm -hmm. kind of went like I did. We both kind of went the shitcoin route to start off with. And then both of us kind of like fell into this, oh, Bitcoin is like what we really want to focus on, right? Like we both dollar cost average Bitcoin regularly, uh, which is why Rally X is such a good sponsor for us because... DCA is something that we're, uh, you know, sticking to. But then there's this, there's to me at least, as the old dog, there seems to be this divide between getting to from Bitcoin only into wanting to understand NFTs. Like you have people like Paul here, who is who are geniuses in the space, right? But they don't want to touch NFTs because it's just like too much, or maybe it's like it's hard to relate to Bitcoin. You know, it's hard to connect those two values. So how do you, I guess, make that first step? You know, from Bitcoin to NFTs. Well, so for me, the big transition happened when um, it, it's it's not you can't really go straight from Bitcoin to NFT. In my opinion, uh, you kind of have to take a more circuitous route. Um, always love it when I get to drop circuitous in normal conversations. Uh, so <laughs> I start with Bitcoin and go, you know, Bitcoin is this Bitcoin equals freedom. Just like Paul says, um, he and I actually disagree on uh, some stuff, uh, but most of it's political. As far as the tech and everything goes, he and I are actually in pretty much the same place as far as Bitcoin goes. Uh, he's definitely more interested in the uh, what I would call altcoins um, like Ethereum. 
<laughs> oh, oh I'm fired. <laughs> You're saying that on on an NFT episode too, no less. <laughs> no, no, and and I, I poke fun at ETH because I'm such a Bitcoin mostalist, as as we like to say. But um, Ethereum does bring some interesting things to the table. I don't mean to hate on them too much, but I start with Bitcoin, and then from Bitcoin, I actually end up working my way to Web three, right? So the question is, if Bitcoin can do this for finance. How can we use Web3 to do the same things that Bitcoin does for finance for the entirety of the Internet? Uh, right. Because the Internet's such a big part of our lives, like it or love it or hate it. It doesn't matter. It's part of our lives. It's not really going anywhere anytime soon, uh, assuming no cataclysmic events um, like global nuclear yeah. war or whatever. But in which case, we'll have oh, more problems, right, than like NFTs, you know, going away or whatever. I'll let you troubleshoot that for a second. Um, yeah, so I, I actually think it's really cool that you pointed out like you did with, uh, you know, what Bitcoin equals Web3 finance. And then we need other Web3 things to take care of other aspects of our life, be that healthcare or identity. Yeah, I'm, I'm riffing for you. It's all good. I wanted to say this anyway. Um, so Ethereum, it's funny that you bash on Ethereum because... That is exactly why Ethereum came to be was the smart contract aspect of blockchain, right? So smart contracts are the next the next effort, I guess, from Bitcoin to like how do we make products and services into this like decentralized Web three thing that Bitcoin is trying to add to finance. So um, Ethereum. It sounds like did you picked it. up exactly where I left off. Is that right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, okay, I did. Cool. I totally did. It. It's a, it's been great. You're going to rewatch this video and go like, oh, dang, he like absolutely <laughs> killed it. Um. <laughs> yeah. So no, but I was saying like, so it, it was funny that you bashed on Ethereum because they're the ones that kind of introduced the smart contract idea, mm -hmm. right? That Which a smart contract is literally just trying to take the decentralized blockchain application and provide an internet layer or a layer to build upon for other products and services. Um, and, you know, and, it was and all really the, exciting, but then there wasn't a good avenue for that on Bitcoin at the time. Right, right. And it, it goes to, I mean, it's the same thing as all the, um, like, all the cop side people will be familiar with this, right? It's like when, when all you could do was write in binary, yeah, you couldn't do a whole lot. I mean, you had to sit there and plug a bunch of ones and zeros in, but then you get, and all the tech people are going to be driven crazy by my explanation of this <laughs> but you know you get layers above that um and it builds up to eventually a programming language and then that you can do all sorts of incredible stuff with and very very quickly and i think yeah. that's we're really in the like uh we're just learning how to build on top of the binary stage and that's something that a lot of people forget right is yeah nfts may not have a ton of utility that's super visible right now but this is really early technology. Like yeah. once we are able to figure out the appropriate infrastructure and solve all the technical problems that go along with the programmability that's associated with blockchain, then things start looking different. And right. I was actually having a conversation with my parents um, the other day and I, I was telling them how they're going to end up using Web3 all the time. They just don't know it yet. Right. Um, and, you know, my, da my dad's kind of a critic. So he was... Uh, stepping in to say like okay well what will that transition look like and i had to tell him i was like honestly you probably won't even notice yeah when yeah it, no, i agree i mean yeah. did anybody notice the transition from web one to web two no yeah that's i, I was going to make that comparison yeah 100 percent. so like 
I Paul Paul is mentioning in the chat here like he never wrote in binary, um, which is fascinating. I mean, you know, binary was a long time ago from one one perspective, yeah, right? Like it's been a while. Um, but but I think that there are people that would listen to the show that could identify with like, okay, web one back in the day was you're going to hard code your own website and it doesn't do anything. It's just, it's a text page more or less, right? Like there's no mm-hmm. interoperability with the user. You just read it. And then web two was, well, okay, now we're going to be able to actually interact with this page and, you know, like maybe order something, right? Or buy something from somebody. And it wasn't like, it was just a natural progression to the next thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then now we're at a point where everyone is so used to just ordering things from the from the internet that you're ordering fast food, you know, on your cell phone. Um, yep. And it was just this progression where it was like we just add small upgrades until like all of a sudden the basic consumer is so comfortable using this that no one really cares to ask what the underlying technology is. You know, how does an email work? I don't know, but we use it all the time, you know? I yeah. think you're exactly right. NFTs are going to be the same way. It'll be sprinkled throughout first until eventually it's completely integrated. And I think that's a great segue into some of what's going to be possible with the programmability. Um, I want to make sure, though, that we kind of wrap up how Bitcoin got to NFTs, right? Yeah. So I'm, I use a very uh, conservative investment strategy and everything that I do. I'm very risk averse. That's just the way that I am as my personality. Um, And I don't make much money either. So it kind of helps to, you know, mitigate any potential losses and things, things like that. Fangs like that. Fangs like that. A little little Southern coming through. (laughs) Um, So once you get to web three, then that trickles down into, okay, well, what are the component parts that add up to make this possible? Those are pretty much NFTs. In my conservative approach, I pretty much only deal within the Stacks network or the Stacks blockchain um, because I like what they have. And uh, even though they certainly have some technical stuff to work out, I, I really think that that's going to happen. Um, uh, over time and Mm -hmm. if it doesn't happen then something almost identical will pop up uh with a different team and then they'll make it happen right so i'm still on board with all of that um so that chain is essentially making things possible like one of the things that i'm working on right now is i'll have eventually a full web 2 website won't be web 3 i'm not a programmer i would love to be able to program it from the ground up and make it 100 percent web 3 it's not possible for me yet but on the back end there are things like uh, droplinked.com that allow me to have a store available that is actually gated by NFTs, right? So you go to my website, you click on a particular link, and that just takes you to a droplink store that I own that then you have to log in with your wallet and uh, it does a quick check to make sure you have the appropriate NFTs to access that content or those products or whatever it happens to be. So it's like um, hybrid, web 2.5 kind of. Precisely, precisely. And I think that that's somewhat, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think that that's because of the the massive load of the creation of that infrastructure. Is It's actually a much heavier load to transition from Web 2 to Web 3 than it is to transition from Web 1 to Web 2. Um, Because Web 2 is still HTML and whatnot, right? It might be XHTML or whatever, but um, it's still essentially the same basic premise whereas this is a much bigger step so there's a few steps in between that we'll have to hit milestones if you will um that'll happen before that comes about once 
that does come about and the infrastructure is in place, what are the top like uh, functionalities that you see, utilities that you see for NFTs going forward that are going to be blowing people away? Yeah. So really great question. Um, so as you probably know, if you're watching here, I also work for um, NeoSwap AI, uh, which we actually had uh, Kieran, their chief strategy, chief strategy officer on the show. Man, I can't remember the episode right now. Um, but we were talking I don't about remember commerce. The number. Yeah, it was a great episode. Go back and check it out um, if you haven't watched it yet. But so as a part of that job, I have been looking into the functionality of um, GameFi, I guess, which is basically we like to make up all these words that add fi onto it for finance, right? But um, it's basically adding Web3 functionality to gaming. Um, and so what's really cool is that back in the 2016-17 uh, crypto market, I was working for a consulting firm um, and my job at that time was just to analyze new projects. Um, and there were a lot of projects that started kind of looking at this sector because of how large the potential economy could be. So basically stats say right now that the esports gaming industry, um, and you can help me out with some of the bigger titles there, like um, what, what are some of the big game titles that people play um like, so league of legends like, is a big one right that's the first one i was going to say league of legends I, yeah. I have to say rocket league is actually growing a lot um for those of y'all that don't know i do uh i don't really stream rocket league but i post videos about rocket league on a pretty regular basis and it's a very regular occurrence in my day-to-day -day, uh to jump on and play some twos uh with a buddy of mine and the rlcs is massive i mean they have an over six million dollar prize pool I think right. year before last, I don't even know what it's grown to now. It just keeps getting bigger. Uh, things like um, Counter-Strike, I think, uh, is still mm -hmm. a big eSport. Um, even uh, some VR stuff is actually now going the eSports route. Um, it's not Valorant. Valorant's mm -hmm. a flat screen. Um, but, but I'll, so have, to I'll my, have to post to some extra here. links to that. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. First, first of all, as a side note, if you are watching, you should check out Pigeon's YouTube video, YouTube channel because the Rocket League content is just top notch. The clips and giggles that you do that's just like a highlight of, you know, cool things that happen when you're playing are so entertaining. I love watching that. So, yeah, if you're into gaming <laughs> Thanks, at all, definitely check out Pigeon's YouTube channel. It's, it's super awesome. Um, but all this to say, so the gaming industry is already established as a pretty massive economy. But most of the money is, like you say, through prize pools, right? It's very centralized. Mm -hmm. It's these big companies that come in and they're like, hey, we want to incentivize players. So we're going to make a professional sports league kind of thing. Um, and you see that. Oh, thanks for throwing up the YouTube there, Nick. I appreciate that. So Pigeon does a lot of work, not just with Rocket League, but also, as you can see, with Bitcoin Badgers, which is a Stacks-based NFT project we can talk about at some point. Uh, anyway, kind of got derailed. All that to say. Woo, YouTube channel. Yeah, YouTube. <laughs> the the gaming industry is huge. Currently, they're bringing in like enough revenue to be comparable to like the NFL in terms of yearly revenue generated. Um, well, hang, and, hang on. I want you to say that one more time. Can you run that past me again? Yeah. So esports on an annual basis is bringing in as much revenue as the National Football League, <laughs> which is crazy. That's just completely shocking, right? Um, yeah. But but that money is and like I said, corporate sponsorships. Um, you know, big events like prizes and stuff. Um, but thanks. Great timing, Nick. There is actually a move towards embracing Web3 uh, to make gaming more of a global economy. So if you think, I mean, so I'm a gamer, you're a gamer. A lot of people who are watching this stream, like our friend Biscuitmonger, are hardcore gamers. Um, mm -hmm. And 
you like to grind on video games and collect a bunch of items, right? Like that's your kind of <laughs> go-to, like walkabout yeah. mini ball, for instance. Yeah. <laughs> I've got every single ball, every single club. It's an, it's an obsession. As soon as the first uh, new map comes out, I've, I run through both in order and collect yeah. everything. I, I love so, the collection aspect. So like NFTs are basically just token representations of items on the blockchain. So imagine for a second, if you could take the golf clubs from walkabout or, you know, the, um, the items that you collect from world of Warcraft or something like that. And they had an actual monetary value that you could buy and sell with other players. Now, all of a sudden we're kind of imagining a world where gaming is a, lucrative profession right because you have all of the stuff that you're grinding on actually has real world value that you could buy and sell um through web3 functionality so gaming i think is like one of the biggest and most appealing and maybe like lowest lift for web3 uh in the real world and we're starting to see that come in like we said through the espl arena and stuff like that um, but even through smaller games you know like um i'm involved in a stacks project called indigo um which is a post-apocalyptic like pixel game and uh, you go do raids out in the wasteland and you defeat enemies and you get you know their currency tox back um, which is like the you know toxic waste or whatever but you can use those tokens to buy more items the items actually come with some sort of value so the more you play the more you can earn uh, you can use those items to level up your character or like sell them for better items or even like swap them in a neo swap which I think is super cool for different NFTs. Uh, but yeah, so yeah. gaming, I mean, that's, that's a big one. Not only does it do all of that, it also allows you to uh, trade in-game items from one game to the next. And I know that uh, Engine Coin, for example, E-N-J-I-N, um, is doing a lot of work around integrating Web3 with gaming. Um, and they are lending themselves a lot towards this whole idea of being able to trade between games. So let's say, you know, I play World of Warcraft, you play Diablo or whatever, you know, pick a game. Sure. Um, I can trade you a World of Warcraft character to get started and you can trade me a Diablo character to get started. Right. And the whole character could be an NFT, including all of the apparel and gear and experience and everything that's associated with that character. So it yeah. just becomes, it, 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 it unites the entirety of that universe that is gaming, whether that's the metaverse with VR and all of that stuff, though that's still a really wonky term in my opinion. Um, like if I if I play a VR game, I'm not really in the metaverse. Like, come on, sure. we're just playing VR games. It's yeah. just a different input. That's a long way off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so as that stuff is growing, the way that we're going to end up introducing all of this is through Web3. Um, and one more thing on the gaming topic, as far as esports goes, I wanted to mention is, you know, you're talking about gaming being like a lucrative hobby, essentially. Um, if you're doing it all the time, maybe you can make some a little bit of money like that. And it also creates content for people to enjoy, which is how you kind of monetize it on the back end. Right. Uh, but in addition to that, imagine taking an organization like the NFL and turning that into a decentralized autonomous organization. If you yep. did that in esports, now there isn't all of the wishy-washy trades and all of that stuff going on where the organization's trying to just, you know, claw tooth and nail to become an organization that stays around for a few years. 
they can actually disseminate that control and authority to the players themselves so that right. me, you and Biscuit, for example, could create a threes team in Rocket League. And if we're actually good, we actually make money doing it. And it, right. it, it turns the whole thing into this decentralized meritocracy that actually rewards people for doing the right thing instead of incentivizing everybody to suck up or be brown nosers or any of the other really negative stuff that goes along with a lot of corporate culture these days. So right. I think that even on a deeper level than what we were talking about earlier, this changes the game, so to speak. Um, yeah. Sorry for that was a bit of a pun, I guess, but <laughs> I um, like it. <laughs> so, so that's kind of gaming as a whole, right? That's some programmability that we think is really fun and really practical in the long run. What about purely practical stuff? What about the, the stuff that's like not necessarily super glamorous, but would have a larger societal effect? Is there programmability in NFTs for that sort of thing? From your yeah, viewpoint? absolutely. Um, and I think this gets back to the question that your dad that your dad was asking when you were having that conversation, like, well, how is the transition going to happen? I think um, something comparable is like identity, right? So like games are all fun and everything, but not everyone connects to them. But everyone that's watching this video has some sort of like, you know, you have your driver's license, you have, you know, your your health documents, um, you have like your insurance or your deeds, like the the documents that make up who you are as a person in our current society those things are now like really poorly done in web 2 i mean I, I don't think that that's a stretch to say like anytime you go to um you know renew your driver's license it's always a headache it always sucks you know the right the they never have the right records you know that you have to wait forever to get things done so one thing that they're doing to try and up to upgrade that now is change the IDs from, you know, the old kind of IDs that we've had to the real ID, which has a certain type of like chip in it that's, you know, electronically verifiable and all this stuff. Those are like small steps that they're taking. But imagine if governments decided to make, you know, a mobile wallet that was based off of blockchain where all of your data was stored in a way where you know you hold the private keys so like we said earlier nfts are just tokens and tokens are valuable in web3 because the person can actually verify that they own whatever it is that's in question you can sign a message and say like yes i'm the owner of this particular document mm -hmm. um, and you can choose to display them to people that's what's fun like right now a lot of times data breaches happen, right? Like where your email address is compromised. Um, and even just recently, like our good friend Fibo had his Twitter account compromised. Mm. Don't, don't doesn't even know how it happened. Most likely it was because that information was compromised through uh, something crazy. It could be like Equifax. It could be, you know, some crazy hack that has nothing to do with Twitter, but then credentials get out and now your identity is compromised. But with the blockchain, that can't happen, right? Because private seeds are tied to that particular thing. So um, I don't think that there's going to be that big of a jump from moving identity to be digitally stored on the blockchain, not just digitally stored in a cloud. Like we could do that and that'd be ultra web too. And it'd be kind of scary because the cloud is just somebody else's server at the end of the day. Right. But Im um, imminently hackable as well. Yeah, extremely. Right. So yeah. um, a couple of things I think, and so we, you know, housing, housing, uh, deeds and stuff the bank owns that right like they hold all that information you have to trust that they're going to keep it safe same for health records like it, it varies where you go to get 
your stuff taken care of. Like this doctor may not have records from that doctor. And like, it's just all scattered everywhere. But I think I want to like drill down on something that maybe the average listener would identify with quickly. And that's ticketing. Um, so have you heard about like what's gone on recently with like concerts or like, you know, uh, StubHub, stuff like that? Yeah, but only from you because I'm I'm actually, and you'll hate me for this, but I don't know if you know this about me yet or not, actually, which is funny. I don't care for live music at all. I, I don't like to go places very often. Um, I've taken a great amount of effort to set up my local environment to be what I want it to be. And I yeah. don't understand why I would leave that for any reason like it's it's got everything that i need <laughs> um other than to go resupply on you know diet pepsis or something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's that's about all i do outside of the house other than work so um i ticketing is not a huge deal for me but it is something that i know a lot of people like um so explain uh well okay let me how about this i'll i'll explain what you told me and it'll make sense hopefully so yeah basically what's happening is we've got these web 2 ticketing stores again imminently hackable so what happens is somebody comes up with an exploit uh which you know that's what happens when half your population's gamers is we like to find the glitches and things and so these tech people find that exploit they set up some sort of really probably very basic script to run right. that as soon as the ticket is released on sale they buy all of them uh immediately and then yeah. they jack up the price by 400 percent or whatever they want to on a secondary or third-party website i guess uh or some other illicit way craigslist or something like that and then they sell those tickets at a significantly higher cost this does right. a couple of things right one it keeps you from being able to buy the ticket at the price that you're supposed to be able to buy it at two it keeps uh people from wanting to bother trying to buy tickets from whatever the source is uh because right. it's like ah, it's gonna be why why would i even go to that website if they're immediately gonna sell out i'll just wait for the craigslist spot right. um and then three it actually hurts creators the most in my opinion because those creators are going well if i could have charged four hundred dollars a ticket I would have done that. So what you've right. done is you've made a profit and limited the number of people that can come enjoy my art or my creativity or whatever it is that I'm putting on a show sure. about. Uh, is that roughly the situation yeah. right now? No, yeah, that's 100% it. Um, the big names right now are like StubHub and Ticketmaster. Um, and the one that really hit kind of like a boiling point recently, um, and I, you know, <laughs> I ashamedly admit back in the, in the days, I used to be enamored with uh, T-Swizzle, Taylor Swift a little bit. Um, no longer. I grew up a little bit, but, um, her she, puts out some, she puts out some bangers. Not gonna she lie. does. No, like, you can't, you can't deny that. So, but so recently her, her, um, tour that she did, like, you know, cause she hasn't toured in a while. She announced this big tour and I believe it was through Ticketmaster that she did all the sales from and this happened and it happened on like, I don't, I need to look up the actual number, uh, like how many millions of dollars worth of tickets were bought immediately. But, I mean, I, I saw just tons of headlines and tweets of, of, of all these people that wanted to go and were prepa prepared to pay a good bit of money, but couldn't because of this particular script issue. So, I mean, this is another ultra low lift for NFTs, right? So all, all mm -hmm. you have to do is pick, you know, a super cheap, fast like chain. Um, so something like Polygon or something like that. Uh, you could do everything within in, within an app. Uh, oh, thanks for this, Nick. This is really helpful. If you want a just good overview of like what NFTs are and how they work, this is a great article to go to. 
Um, but basically, you could build a really simple app, very much like what Ticketmaster already uses, because they use QR codes and they scan them, right? So mm -hmm. um, you could do that same thing, but have it be an NFT instead of just being a random QR code, right? That people can just take <laughs> from the Ticketmaster store. Um, we using Web3 and NFTs, you can say like, okay, we're only going to allow X amount of sales per wallet that connects. And then it makes it like substantially more difficult for a little bot to be able to go in and just buy everything because Web3 just adds that exponential layer of difficulty, kind of like we were talking about before. In the same way that it was harder to upgrade from Web2 to Web3, it's also typically harder to exploit Web3 than it is Web2. So you mm -hmm. add in these stop gaps that prevent these simple exploits from happening. Now you have happy Taylor Swift fans and they're using NFTs without really even knowing it, right? They're using the same QR code that they would have before and everybody's happy. Yeah, and then of course the the difficult part is what we're really trying to accomplish, uh, which is adoption, right? How do yes. you teach, uh, you know, a grandmother who wants to take her little girls to see Taylor Swift or her thirty year old grandkid or something like yeah. that, you know, whoever, <laughs> um, to, who wants to go see Taylor Swift? Uh, how do you teach her how to create a wallet real quick so that she can be like, okay, this is my ticket wallet. These are my private keys like right. explaining all of that is going to be the difficult part not necessarily the programmability and yeah. and that's why even more than infrastructure creation we're we want to see more adoption we want to be able to teach people okay how do you what's an nft number one right how do you get one where does it live uh and what can you do with it right so and we've answered some of those questions right nfts are basically just tokens uh that have programmability which I guess tokens have programmability on their own, but <clears throat> these are these NFTs. The way that you get it is just like everything else in Web3. You just have to have a little hardware wallet or a software wallet and store it there, right? And right. okay, like now I know that if I pull up my Xverse app on my phone, I can type in my password and I can see everything that's in that wallet. If yep. I go to Sigil or something like that, I know that I'm going to have to type in that password and sign a quick message that says, yes, I'm visiting this website. Uh, this is actually me, which yeah. goes to your thing about identity. All of that's easily possible. Um, and then once you get that set up, I mean, it's just like me trying to teach our grandmother how to use email, right? Yep. She doesn't necessarily know how to use all of the features in Google Google's Gmail features, right? right. She doesn't know that. That's fine. But what she can do is jump on there and read messages from other older people who are emailing her different links to maybe a particular musician or a certain jam session that she wants to go to, that sort of thing. Right. Um, and she can interact with those messages back and forth. Right. Sometimes she hits speed bumps, but she's also 80 plus. So we, right. we give her that one. You know, like <laughs> they didn't even have electricity when uh, she started learning stuff like this. So, yeah. Um, Sorry, I'm getting chat stuff coming up on my screen. I know it's um, really so hilarious. Like <laughs> Non-fungible tokens. I love it. I'm, I'm oh, that I'm a is fan. funny. <laughs> cool. So, uh, and all of this programmability has really not been genuinely tapped yet. That's something else that I really like to keep in mind. We were very, we were very early still. Very early. Um, people are trying to do a lot of cool stuff with it, just like you said, Indigo or Nanish Kingdom or um, even just artists being able to actually reap the benefits of their own labors. Uh, artists like Three Hana and uh, Longstreet. 
street they're doing some really cool music specifically on the blockchain um and highly recommend checking out uh gamma.io and just taking a cruise around see what's available as far as nfts um and i guess unless you want to uh dive into maybe some more programmability aspects we can go ahead and move on to my yeah. nft methodology yeah yeah for sure i did want to make a quick note of like all the nft stuff that we've been talking about so far have not just been jpegs and i think that's really important to just kind of <laughs> take a second and acknowledge right everyone's like well aren't nfts just like pictures that i can right click save like no absolutely not everything that we've been talking about so far is like incredible technology that has an exact application that could take us to the next level of like commercial success or like mm -hmm. identity control. It's not just a picture that you buy that's like obscene. Yes, there are JPEG NFTs that make no sense. Like there was a picture of a rock that sold for over a million dollars. Is that stupid? Yes, of course that's stupid. But we have to take these small stupid steps to be able to like make progress. And so the last word on programmability is imagining out into the future. So there is some crazy stuff with NFTs that I don't want to spend time talking about. You should research it. Time locking NFTs where they unlock a message or they unlock a will, for instance, after a certain amount of time, uh, you could have it set so that, you know, uh, if I wanted to create a will for my future kids, uh, I'm going to have like my will unlock by this time locked NFT in like 60 years or something like that. And then voila, there is something that you don't have to trust a third party with because the blockchain is just going to execute this no matter what. That's right. really cool. Um, there's other things like degenerative NFTs that like decay unless you do a certain action to prevent it from decaying. And so you can start to imagine all sorts of crazy things you could do with that tech. But I am more interested in hearing about how you personally have been going about your particular NFT journey. Um, tell us more about Style Pigeon. Okay, so... Um, one, everyone should go check out my NFT collections on Gamma.io. It's Styled Pigeons and Warrior Pigeons. Look into that just to, if you want to see what I'm doing with this and the fun that I'm having uh, creating things and, and trying to build stuff on the blockchain. I have a lot of fun with it. Check it out. See if it's something that you might be into as well. Um, the whole NFT collections that I do are basically their utility is to provide reminders and interest around creating strong values in your life and then trying to live out those values. Um, soon I want to have some printable stuff to where maybe you can take your NFT and have it printed out and have it on your wall and stuff like that. Uh, just cause I think that stuff's fun and interesting and cool. Um, yeah. So there, uh, Nick's got one of the warrior pigeons, uh, pulled up. Uh, that's the one that I have as my profile picture. I think it's number eight because I airdropped like seven to somebody else before I, <laughs> I, I should have done it yourself. in a way that I that I that my wallet was at the top of the air list or airdrop <laughs> list, but I didn't. So I got like number eight. But anyway, um, and I'm holding on to it with a righteous fury. So so you know, if you want to bid on it, yeah. you're gonna have to highball that. Just <laughs> FYI. Okay, so that's kind of my initial journey into NFTs was uh, I was doing some interesting, fun art just for kicks and giggles, as far as I'm concerned. And John came to me, he's like, dude, you realize like you really should create an NFT collection and you could probably have some people that were, you know, interested enough to kind of join you on your journey and uh, start creating like almost a universe. And I really am interested in universe creation uh, from a story aspect. Uh, and now I'm trying to do it in real life, which is super fun for me. However, 
Uh, and actually, this happened. Uh, our friend Casual, we were playing some virtual reality mini golf, and uh, he mentioned something about like, well, you're not actually particularly invested in any big project or anything, right? And I, I had to admit, I was like, no, actually, I'm not. And the the reasons that I wasn't at the time um, was specifically because NFTs are just way too much for me. Like, I can't keep track of all of the vast number of projects that are going on. And, and there's Ethereum and Polygon and Avalanche and all these different chains that I just, I can't wrap my head around it. I have a full-time job. I do all this stuff with John. Um, I'm working on a bunch of other projects, which soon you'll see on the website. Um, and it's just too much for me to handle. So along those lines, and I know I'm kind of going a little bit crazy, but let me set this up, hang in there with me. Yeah. I promise I'll wrap it all up neatly. Along those lines, one of my big like life goal things is to be able to create a methodology by which to package information, uh, whether it be just regular data or even wisdom um, as I grow older and, and learn things about the world. How do I package that information and wisdom into the most digestible form possible? Right. How do I how yeah. do I package that and then give it to someone else? So I've developed a methodology to get people addicted to NFTs. Now, it starts with an easy step. Acknowledge the fact that you're not going to be able to keep track of every single project on every single chain. It's just not feasible. Yeah. So first step 100%. is acknowledge that. But second step is pick a chain. Do your research on which chains are doing what, which chains have projects that you think are cool looking, because that's going to keep you going, which chains uh, have the feasibility and functionality that you think you might be looking for, mm. right? Ethereum's a good one for functionality. They're a massive chain, obviously, and there's bonkers amounts of art and functionality there to be had. Yeah. I actually thought about getting into Ethereum. Gas prices are a little bit too high for me. And it's also, there's so much on it already. It's a little bit of a deep dive for me. Yeah. Again, limited time and resources. So I picked Stacks as the blockchain that I was going to focus on. It has really cool functionality and it's built on top of Bitcoin. That checks all my boxes. So I started diving on Stacks projects. Well, it turns out there's still too many projects to keep up with. <laughs> Yeah, Even after true. you just pick one chain, there's still way too much going on. Um, so then what I recommend is picking a list of two projects at first, build a third if you want, a fourth if you want, as you figure out what you're doing and, and kind of dive a little bit deeper. But pick one or two at first. Um, the big ones that I picked were actually Badgers, uh, the Bitcoin Badgers. And I also picked out, um, well... Really, I've been creating too much to really keep up with Nanish, um, but that's kind of the next big project that I really like and enjoy. And uh, there's a couple others that are art centric, uh, like the Weed Monsters, where you know they're just doing cool stuff, and I thought I'd support them. And I like yeah. their art and things that they're creating. That's so. uh, Frank Frank Trask, right? Yeah, and Manny Mo, yeah. M A N N Y M A or M O E. Um, they're doing that stuff together and they're doing really cool stuff, which I support because I'm a creator as well. Uh, so I picked up a couple of their NFTs and have yeah. uh, been actually trading them via Neoswap parties uh, to try nice. and disseminate more weed monsters to everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's actually, and I think I they meant it out. It's a very successful project. 
Yeah, I want to take a quick note real quick just to kind of plug that because that's, in my opinion, one of the cool things to use NeoSwap for as a creator. So if you're looking to get more NFTs into like various people's hands, going to a NeoSwap is a great way to do it. And I personally, like when I was doing research to find more NFTs that I wanted to, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to know. I would just go to a NeoSwap event and uh, be like, oh, like that's actually how I found the, the Weed Monsters collection is someone put one up for bid on a NeoSwap. And I was like, oh, this is purple. Like, this is the coolest looking thing ever. What is this? I need to know what this is. So, so yeah, I, I like that from an ex exploration. But then from a project founder's perspective, like, yeah, getting it into other people's hands. Like, that's a, that's a cool way to do it. So, anyway, yeah, and, and there's also music associated with that project because of Frank Trask. Um, and he makes some cool beats. I, I really like that sort of thing. Um, one, one day I was actually training Rocket League mechanics. And I just put Frank's music on in the background. I pulled oh, up. Dope. I pulled up my NFT and just hit play and let his beats just kind of be on repeat. Uh, if I got tired of that one, I'd switch over to a different one, but it's, it was great for just hanging out, chilling and playing some rocket league. So, um, really so cool. I pick a chain, go ahead. I was oh, sorry. I, I, sorry. <laughs> I just wanted to mention like, there's another use case for NFTs It's music NFTs. We didn't even mention <laughs> that, but like in terms of like musicians that want to get better royalties, like we all know kind of that Spotify is a problem because they don't give the best royalties out there, but it's the most widely used app. Music NFTs could solve that because artists gets direct, directly paid for their song. And like you actually yep. own that particular song. So anyway, super cool. Look into that too. Frank Trask, um, 300, Longstreet, all those people are amazing musicians in the space. So please do continue. <laughs> so actually I'm going to, I'm going to, add to that real quick the one of the really cool things that i've enjoyed about music nfts specifically is um finding people in different regions who maybe yeah. aren't as uh well let's say their gdp is not the size of the us's right like less economically stable places where these creators are going you know how do i break out how do i keep creating um really cool images of little monsters that look like they're made out of uh bud like how do i find people who do that or create really interesting different uh culturally music uh, yeah. music that's different culturally the way that i've been finding those people is actually on the blockchain because they can access it no problem right. and they can create that stuff they don't have access to maybe a producer or a label right. where they're at but they're still wonderful musicians and wonderful artists so yeah. i'm finding people like that on the blockchain and not having a ton of fun finding local people. Uh, so I think it's a wonderful way to share creativity and really get some, uh, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, some actual diversity into art and culture and things like that. Um, kind of decentralization allows for going that. with the melting pot. Precisely. You know? It's the yeah. decentralization force um, that's sweeping our entire globe right now. And yeah. it's crazy to me that people don't see it coming. But anyway, the way to get into NFTs, like I said, is pick a chain, do your own research is something that we say all of the time. Do your own research. Look, this is supposed to be fun. When you pick up a, a book or something, right? You're diving into that universe. Reading the book is doing the research. And that mm. part of that book you enjoy doing. So, you know, take some time, have a glass of whiskey or whatever you want. It's, Smoke a J if it's illegal where you're at and <laughs> and dive into whatever a project has going on. Join their discord, meet some people. A lot of the projects are still small right now. They love talking to community members, hearing what people like and don't like about the project and what they're working on. Uh, yep. You know, 
careful with the FUD, but you know, if there's something that you don't like, I'm certain that that artist would be like, oh, very interesting. Let me see if I could, you know, it, does this interfere with my art or is this something that I could change with zero effect and then make more people enjoy it and more people feel conveniently able to uh, be into my art. Yeah. So those are the really big things that I point out to everybody who's getting into NFTs. So lastly, I'll say that I highly encourage you to not just consume NFTs. Mm. I think that the the big transition for people with NFTs is when they start creating their own things. What Whether you end up minting or not, or minting out or not, maybe you mint three of them. Maybe three of your friends were like, dude, really support your project. Love that you're starting to create stuff. We're going to mint one each, even though you way overpriced them, we're going to do this for <laughs> you because we care about you and we like your art. That's fine because that extra little bit of creation is what fights against the things that are corrupting the very roots of our society. Mm -hmm. We can all be creators. Yeah. That's what that's what decentralization does is how do I produce something that is valuable to other people and that it, that I think is important. So, for example, again, the first project that I launched was the uh, Styled Pigeons. It's just a collection of a bunch of male models that have pigeon heads instead of normal human heads. Right. I think that they look hilarious. I really like them for whatever reason, and it's fun for me to do all of that work in Photoshop. Uh, I just happen to have those skills from making – actually, from making uh, signatures for forums on uh, – the Diablo 2 forums. Oh, nice. I don't know if anybody remembers DTKSP, yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. but I was active on those forums for quite some time, uh, like 10 a.m. to 2 a.m. for years. Um, so, That's awesome. yeah, it was an obsession. So, uh, <laughs> all of all of that stuff is possible with NFTs if you dive in and you start creating as well. Um, so, the styled pigeons. The ultimate reason that I created that was because uh, I had just had. A relationship end very badly um it just felt horrible about myself and uh i had to move back in with my parents uh it it was a travesty as a 30 year old to be like holy crap my whole life is falling apart right now all because this one person is not there anymore i'm empty yeah. and alone <laughs> yeah and and that creates that created this thing in me where i was like like i just don't like myself right now but one of my values is self-respect. It's mm. very important to me to have the self-respect that I deserve and that is necessary for me to keep getting out of bed in the morning. That is a necessary value for me. And it's something very important, I think, in society at large. I think a lot of the things that are plaguing our society have to do with self-respect and a lack thereof, uh, particularly yeah. in men. Um, so I created this whole thing where – and simultaneously i'm seeing people show up to my sales office um in t-shirts and blue jeans i'm like right you, dude you, you didn't even like put a comb through your hair this morning you clearly <laughs> don't care about this job or probably yourself so right what can i do about this well i can't convince that individual necessarily one because i'm a manager i can't really have conversations like that um without causing a whole wreck at work but two yeah. because it's it's a hard thing to fix in people you know a lot of a lot of us need professional help <laughs> to to take care of things like that 
But what I can do is give you an interesting, fun, and cool image to remind you that when you look at that pigeon man <laughs> that's on your wall or in your wallet or whatever, you go, you know what? I, I can actually make the effort to put on a nice collared shirt and some slacks and show up today. I, I can make yeah. the effort to not look like a bum because I know and I believe that I'm not a bum. I'm a person right. who deserves to have a job, who deserves to have people in his life. I'm a person who believes that he can do well in life and be successful. I have the self-respect to put on the clothes that make me look like it. Or the hat, if Boom. you want to put on a straw hat as well. Yeah. Uh, my my dad's in sales and he's a, he's the hat guy. He he wears fedoras and nice like Akubra leather. Yeah. yeah. And so this is something that's very important to me. And so I made an NFT collection about it. Now, I got lucky and I have some awesome friends and that collection minted out. I did another one that's actually all about discipline uh, and about being a warrior and the values that go along with that that I think is really interesting. Uh, John and I actually, well, you're probably finished with the Book of Five Rings now, aren't Almost. you? Almost. I've got okay, like okay. 10 pages left. <laughs> I know you said you like grind grind to a halt near the end of the book just because you're yep. like, no, I don't want it to be over. Yep. Um, <laughs> but I've got I've got my copy right here, actually. Uh, the Book of Five Rings by Miyamoto Masashi um, is a canonical uh, bit of warrior literature uh, from Japan uh, during the, uh, I think it was pre-Edo period or beginning of Edo period, Japan, feudal Japan. Anyway, um, regardless of the historical stuff, I've got book summaries and whatnot up on sigil.io uh, that actually will help you get into the warrior way and, and what that looks like and some minor details highly recommend reading the actual literature though yeah, so all too. of this I, I know i'm kind of off on a tangent but all of this came from bitcoin web3 doing what bitcoin does for everything instead of just finance uh nfts being programmable the programmability of web3 leading me to all of this interesting art and culture that is available on the internet uh, meme culture as well. I actually got to do a collaboration with Dr. Suss um, on the Stacks blockchain, which he does some really cool meme-related stuff. Um, yeah, <laughs> curing Sussitis all over the place. So ultimately, it it ends up being the question: Am am I addicted to NFTs? Yeah, Maybe. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, fortunately or otherwise, I'm addicted to NFTs. But am I having fun and enjoying myself and collecting cool art and actually kind of making a profit at the same time? Also, yes. Uh, it's a very interesting field to be a part of. And as it grows, again, still very early, as it grows, we're going to see a lot of, one, fortunes being made, but also we're – I don't like to emphasize the money thing too much because it's just not really about that to me, though that would be nice. Yeah. Uh, it's it's also about freeing ourselves from uh, a regime that has limited the human species in a way that uh, is no longer acceptable as we progress further. Uh, yeah. And and all of that societal stuff, regardless of your opinion, uh, is still significant. There's something weird going on here. And mm -hmm. I think that all of us agree that we need to continue to head in the right direction, not the wrong direction right. for society. So maybe yeah. uh, if you disagree with me, you should create an NFT project and try and promote your values and things. Um, and I would 100%. be really happy to read about it and hear about it and and find out more. Yeah, not Pigeon, man, I really appreciate hearing how like your journey has 
NFTs and how it's been something that's been like actually impactful from like a, a life perspective. And it's really impacted me too. like, you know, reading the five rings together, thinking about what it means to be a warrior, uh, making real life changes. I, a hundred percent is related to NFTs. It's crazy. Right. But, um, yeah. you're totally right. Like we're, we're actually making steps to make ourselves and then our friends better. And, and that's what society needs right now, I think. Yeah. And don't be scared. Uh, like I said, you know, remember that you have the breaks. Um, you can pull back, uh, get into one NFT project, see what happens. See if you make some friends, actually, because uh, that's yeah. what I did with the Bitcoin Badgers, right? So uh, yeah. I jumped into the Bitcoin Badgers. Next thing you know, I'm streaming their weekly golf sessions. Yeah. Um, and it just happened. You know, you just happened to be a, a available for a Wednesday night chill sesh. And I happen to also have a computer that can handle streaming and yeah. do it with the VR headset running, yeah. <laughs> which is a load. But, yeah. you know, I got, I got lucky and, and I think that there's something about NFTs that help people get lucky. Uh, so find yeah. some friends, pick a chain, dive into a project, see what happens, but make sure you're having some fun along the way. Um, and I, I think you'll, I think you will. I, I don't yeah. think it's difficult to have fun in the NFT space. 100% agreed. And if, hey, if anyone listening has any questions, our handles are right here below. You can tweet at us on Twitter. We'd love to be able to have some conversation with you about NFTs or, you know, about your journey. Uh, this is a Bitcoin badger that's being displayed <laughs> right here. It's what brought me, uh, Pigeon, Fibo on the screen, Casual, a bunch of our friends together. Um, so, so take it from us. Like NFTs aren't just JPEGs. Like they can actually change your life and, and bring some real positive change. Um, and with that, I feel like I feel really good about this episode. Um, it was a great talk. Uh, I, I think that everyone oh. watching has some good stuff coming. So I wanted to tease out the next episode, unless you had something else you wanted to add real quick. No, um, I wanted to uh, actually, well, okay, I won't be theatric. Uh, I was going to tease out the next episode too. I was worried that maybe you forgot, but I see that you're on point as always. No, so, definitely not. Um, next week, or sorry, week after next, we have, uh, can you find that date for me real quick? We yeah. have a uh, very interesting and dangerous episode coming up. Um, February 5th. February 5th. So make sure that you're available February 5th, that Sunday at noon. Um, it's actually going to be more along the lines of some real crime uh, and <laughs> investigatory uh, forensics and whatnot. Um, John is actually intense. going to be uh, interrogating a crypto noob. <laughs> Mr. Hey. Pigeon. So we've gone through this whole journey and I've been learning a ton uh, and, you know, sometimes asking dumb questions, but I feel like I have a handle on a good bit of it at this point. Um, over the next two weeks, I'm going to keep doing my research, keep DYORing, if that's a word. And uh, <laughs> then on February 5th at noon, uh, we're going to pull up a chair and John from his wealth of knowledge is going to be interrogating me, asking very difficult questions and uh, see if the pigeon can handle the heat or if the pigeon gets fried. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. So we're calling it pigeons interrogation. Um, I'm going to ask just tough questions about Bitcoin that uh, maybe your friends who know nothing about Bitcoin, or maybe they know just enough to be skeptically dangerous would ask. Uh, so we're going to ask those questions and hopefully that episode will be a good resource 
for you watching to be able to have good conversations and be able to clap back at those haters that ask the hard questions. <laughs> so, so, Hey man, I really appreciate the time, dude. This is such a good talk. Um, I, I learned a lot personally and that we've known each other for like our whole lives. <laughs> so I'm really Literally. happy. I hope, well, I hope lots of other people. I, I yeah, you've I've known, known you for all of yours, yeah, all of my <laughs> life. Yes. <laughs> anyway, it was great, man. I love it. Uh, I'm really happy to be creating in this space with you. I think, uh, you know, we survived through most of the bear market. You know, here we are, season two, gingerly. It feels good, right? Yeah, yeah, it feels good. I'll admit that I'm tired, but holy cow, I can't wait to. I'm actually taking this whole afternoon to keep building and working. Nice. Um, so uh, maybe like sometime I'll get some rest, but uh, yeah. not until we stack those sets. That's right, man. Well, big thanks to you for being my co-host. Big thanks to Nick for producing for us. He's a, he's a gym. We love him. And big shout out to Bitcoin Live family. Uh, if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, there's playlists with a bunch of other awesome shows, all produced by the Bitcoin Live channel. Um, and then finally, I want to say thanks to Rally X for sponsoring us. Go dollar cost average some Bitcoin, track those NFTs in your portfolio. Oh, I, I yes. have something to add to this, actually. I was Real actually quick. on a call. Yeah, I'm being super fast. I was actually on a call. Uh, they were doing some testing for some of the new UI for RoundlyX. And y'all, oh, yeah. they have some cool stuff coming. Like, I'm really excited to continue using the app. And I'm just, I can't say exactly any details because not all of it's guaranteed, but you should check it out. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. Good stuff coming. RoundlyX is killing it. So, um, yeah, all that being said, thank you for watching. And we will see you on February 5th for Pigeons Interrogation. Nick, can you roll a video, please?